0: Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, a view of culture, current events and politics through a biblical lens with your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh and John Rush. Now let's join the conversation. And happy to be with all of you again this week on this National Crawford Roundtable with myself, Bob Duco, John Rush out of Denver, Roger Marsh out of Southern California, and we're missing Neil Boron, who's on a much-deserved vacation this week. John, Roger, how are you?
1: Good morning. Doing well, Bob. How are
0: you? Oh, very good. Very good. Always good talking with you guys. And so, well, here we are. It's, um, it's July 4th week, of course, Independence Day coming up. And so for this week's podcast, we're going to pretty much talk, you know, all things America, a lot of different things about America, the founding of this nation, uh, and many different aspects of this that we want to discuss. But one of the things I'm kind of curious about. Guys, and I want to get your take on this. With all of the unrest that's going on, with the, the Black Lives Matter movement, with the protests, with the, the racial tension in this country, with the liberal left that, if I can be blunt, a lot of the lies and the smears that are coming out of the liberal left and the, and the media, and there's so much frustration in this country, so much tension and, and everything else. I, I wonder how patriotism, is holding up in this land because I, you know, I look at my neighborhood, the subdivision I live in. You can drive around my subdivision. There's one house, one house in my entire subdivision that has an American flag proudly waving out in front of it, and it's my house. Uh, nobody else. And sometimes I wonder what's happening with patriotism. In this country, we have a growing anti American sentiment and movement. It seems like much of the liberal left, not all, but much of the liberal left, is all about anti Americanism, view America through the worst possible lens. And we are moving more and more toward that sense of socialism where we're converting from the USA to the USSA. Uh, And I'm kind of wondering what effect that has on. Patriotism. I still consider myself extremely patriotic. I love this country. I wave the flag proudly. But I also grieve for the direction that my country continues to go. And if Joe Biden and the Democrats get control this November, I believe they are going to fundamentally change the fabric of America. And then you wonder what's going to happen to patriotism after that, at least for those of us who – have always loved America. So I don't know. I consider myself self still pretty strongly patriotic, but I'm not sure that America is as patriotic as we were during the the Reagan years and such. Uh, what do you guys think? I mean, let's talk about it a little bit. John, let's throw it over to you. John Rush, of course, rushed, rushed to reason out of Denver, Colorado. What's your sense? How would you assess patriotism today?
2: Well, and I think it's on an individual basis, and I think it's become more individual versus – collective. I know, you know, to your point a moment ago, I consider myself very patriotic. I fly a 30-foot flagpole. I've got the American flag on top, and believe it or not, the Trump flag underneath it, and I don't really care who does or doesn't like either, to be honest with you. But, but, you know, but that's me, Bob. I'm I'm probably a little different in that area. I I will say that in my particular area, and, you know, I live in in Colorado, and we are a very blue state, and, and I will say it really depends on you know, where you're driving in that particular individual. We still have a lot of patriots in this state. There's a lot of folks that will fly the flag, and this 4th of July they'll have extra things up because of that. But on the same token, I see it being criticized. I really do see, you know, patriotism being extremely criticized by the left. It's not... It's not chic anymore to be a patriot. In fact, you're looked down upon to be a patriot, and that's the thing I think I worry about more, Bob, than anything, is just the fact that the, the overall stigma, if you consider yourself a patriot anymore, is, is not looked upon in a positive light, and frankly, it should be.
0: It seems to me it should be, too. Roger, what's your take?
1: I like what John said about the individualism that's uh, really taken over. Because I think there are a lot of people who think they're patriotic in their own way. You know, uh, there are people who think it's patriotic to knock over statues and burn down buildings. I mean, I, and I don't, I, I for one, don't understand that at all. I love to see the flags flying. I, I grew up in neighborhoods where you had flags out for all the holidays. It didn't matter what holiday it was—you know, President's Day, Memorial Day, Veterans Day—the flags were flying, and it's nice to see the flags flying. I think it's w- one of the things that I've noticed over the past say, 15, 20 years, and to kind of piggyback on what John's talking about with the individualism, is the fact that there are so many people who are so highly educated and horribly misinformed that they think that, okay, well, take the Colin Kaepernick issue, for example, you know, the kneeling deal. How many people... took that as okay well this is he's protesting police brutality and other people know he's actually protesting against the flag and they're showing disrespect there was such a disconnect in terms of what people thought was going on and yet you could you could go into different towns in America and get different takes on what that all meant and I think that's just one of many examples Bob you mentioned the liberal left I don't think there's a liberal left anymore I think it's all leftism I mean I, that's one of the things that, mm. that concerns me the most about the Democratic Party is there used to be the liberal moderate and conservative you know continuum going on and there were some fundamental hard right wing, you know, John Birch guys on the right, and there were a few nut jobs on the left, but now it seems as though if you try to be a center-left moderate, you get run over by progressivism. And progressivism doesn't want to restore or build or do anything better. They see something that's institutionalized and say, knock it down. And so that's why you see up until, I, from what I understand, that the CHOP movement is now being shut down in Seattle finally. Uh-huh. But the mayor there even saying, hey, this is a peaceful protest. It's like Woodstock. It's like, no, it's not. Do you realize summer what's of love. happening here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's not a summer of love. There's nothing patriotic about it. They, they just show up and say we want to destroy. And that really concerns me.
0: Well, you know what? Let's face it, too. Uh, The mayor didn't suddenly decide to clean the area out until the protesters showed up at her own house. Now, maybe that's just a coincidence. Maybe that's just a coincidence, but that causes her to say, okay, enough is enough. Which, by the way, can I just say on a side note, and then we'll get back to the patriotism thing. Uh, There in Minneapolis, where the city – in in Minneapolis, where they uh, defunded – they voted to defund the police there completely, as you know – you've seen in the news this week, three of those most liberal city council members that were pushing for defunding the police have actually been, uh, have actually had taxpayer-funded private security mm-hmm. for them. Yep. Uh, yep. So Pretty far easy, to yeah. the tune of $60,000, dollars has been right. spent. Well, taxpayer money paying for their private security. But by the way, the citizens within Minneapolis, they don't have the money to be able to afford to pay their own private security. But these city council members are doing it, I Ironically, with those very taxpayers' money, so they get the protection, but the taxpayers and the individual citizens in predominantly minority neighborhoods, they don't get it. it just I'm telling you, it, it points to there's something sick and twisted about, I, I know you don't like the liberal left-wing term, progressive, whatever we want to call it. Uh, the bottom line, this, this movement that seems to be, I would argue, less and less American, less and less patriotic But you know what they do? They get offended too if you accuse them of – if you question their patriotism at all. But what what are you supposed to do when they trash America left and right? They constantly see what's worse in this country. They look at everything through the worst possible negative lens. And then when you question their patriotism, they act all offended and clutch their pearls.
1: Yeah, no question about it, and I think it's ironic that that is kind of the language of the left, which is, as you mentioned, Bob. It's I think this is a horrible thing, so let's burn it down. But then when someone comes back after them and says, "Well, you realize now you're getting you know taxpayer funded private security." Well, you're filled with hate. I can't believe you're such a hater and such a hate filled hater phobe, or you know whatever it is. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, we're we're losing that moral compass. Because, well, as George Barnum reports now, something like fifteen percent of all Americans really think that they are the center of their own moral universe, and so how do when you take a nation that was founded on biblical principles and you shift over to this kind of nihilistic uh, i 'm the center of my universe, toddlerhood mentality i mean I guess what can what else can we expect
0: you know if we could go back just ten years and I'd, if we went back in a time machine, guys. And I tried to tell you, hey, you know what, I'm from the future. And in 2020, the, uh, there's going to be a, an American patriotic July 4th celebration taking place at Mount Rushmore, and there's going to be a tweet, not from some obscure blogger working out of his mom's basement in his underwear, no, from the official Democratic Party itself, the DNC, that trashes that as uh, celebrating white supremacy before finally being shamed into deleting the tweet, uh, that now suddenly Mount Rushmore is something that's a celebration of white supremacy and something negative that's inappropriate for us to have a fireworks display and celebrating 4th of July. I don't think anybody would have believed me 10 years ago, John, if we'd have had that conversation. But guess what? That's where we are right now. This is how how hateful toward anything American or patriotic or flag-waving we've become in this country.
2: Yeah, and and it's by design, Bob. And no, to your point 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I'm I'm sure even five years ago you would have even even thought that. We wouldn't have to go back that far in time to – to, you know to look at this and have the same the same synopsis and and again, to your point a moment ago uh, this is i believe this is by design you know it's it's no longer the u s a it 's the u s s a and that 's exactly right. what the other side wants i've had discussions <clears throat> excuse me I have discussions on you know my personal Facebook page over some of these things where you know the the left will criticize us for our you know our our belief system our Christianity that holds patriotism so high, and the fact that you know i 'm a white. Uh, You know, middle-aged American, you know, white male middle-aged American, you know, goes into all of that, and it always comes up, and I'm so tired, Bob and Roger both, of being criticized for being white. You know, I was born this way. I did not have any choice in the skin color that is on my body, no more than a, a black person, an Asian person, or a Spanish person has that choice. I really am just I'm getting so fed up with this mantra of skin color matters when, in fact, they're the ones trying to make it, it, you know, they claim to make it not matter. But the reality, guys, is they're making it matter more now than it ever has in the past.
0: I know. Well, you know what? L'Oreal Cosmetic Company is doing away. With uh, the terms whitening, whiteness, li- uh, whiteness whitening, right. lightening, uh, right. skin tones to lighten skin and whatever. So L'Oreal is doing away with that. However, CVS stores are going to start selling men's cosmetics because, after yep. all, guys, it's time for us to start wearing rouge and eyeshadow. Uh, it is a crazy. Twilight Zone world that we live in. But listen, hang on a second. We've got to take a short break, and then we'll pick it up from there in a couple of minutes more uh, with uh, John Rush and Roger Marsh and myself, Bob Duco, as we continue this National Crawford Roundtable.
3: Be transformed by the Word of God with Alistair Begg and Truth for Life. Every weekday, Alistair Begg teaches the Bible through in-depth, verse-by-verse attention to the Word of God. You can listen to Truth for Life on your local Crawford broadcasting station, or listen online at truthforlife.org. Please support this important ministry with your donations at the truthfullife.org website or by calling 888-588-7884. And be sure to let them know you heard about Truthful Life from the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Continuing the National Crawford Roundtable
0: with myself, Bob Duco out of Detroit, Roger Marsh out of the People's Republic of California, John Rush out of Denver. Uh, we're missing Neil Boron this week, who is on vacation as we uh, snicker behind his back about him. But uh, we're talking about, of course, with July 4th this weekend and uh, patriotism and Americanism and such. I want to throw something out to you guys. I I may have brought this up in a previous podcast. I can't remember. But I'm curious to get your take on it. Uh, The anti-Americanism and uh, how so much of the criticism of America seems to be on the political left, the political progressive side of things. Uh, I would love to see somebody do an experiment sometime. Now, we all remember the Rorschach test where you show somebody ink blots, and it's like, what do you see? And one person says, I see a butterfly, and another person says, I see a bat, You know, and it reveals something about your personalities theoretically based on what you see. I submit to you, if we had a room with 100 people in that room, we didn't ask them political affiliation. We just grabbed 100 random people and put them in a room and did the Rorschach test. But instead of showing them an inkblot, we showed them an image of the American flag and said, I want you to just blurt out the first word that comes to your mind. You'd have people in that room that would say positive things like uh, liberty, freedom, independence, you know, whatever. You'd also have people that would throw out pejoratives, fascist, totalitarian, oppressive, and such. So once we collect All 100 words that were thrown out. Then I'd love to uh, look at the political affiliation of each of those people. And I would be willing to bet that 99% of every negative first-word knee-jerk reaction to the flag – came from somebody who's a Biden supporter, a registered Democrat, somebody who's on the political left, politically progressive, or whatever. Uh, It seems to me that something like that, if that's true, and I'd be willing to bet money that that would be true if anybody did that test, uh, it seems to me that that's something that liberals or Democrats, especially so-called evangelical left Christians, they need to examine the political party that they continue to support and ask themselves, Am I really truly patriotic? Do I really truly love America, or do I just look at America through the worst possible lens in all things? That to me is a troubling trend that I see growing more and more uh, in this country. John, I'd love to get your take on that.
2: No, I think you're exactly right, Bob. I think you know, there's been a conditioning that goes on. It's 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 dividing things more than it than it's uh, you know joining things together. And, and by the way, guys, not not that I feel that that some of that you know, always needs to be joined together. I do think there's times to have you know, some discussions as to what's going on in the country. And we're not all, you know, I always hate that, you know, we've got to come across the aisle and get together. No, in fact, we, we don't. In fact, I'm one that tells you that, when it comes to the legislative process, whether it's state or whether it's on the federal level, the more they fight, bicker, and argue and get less done, the better off as taxpayers we all are because, frankly, I don't need any more laws. We don't need any more changes. Leave things alone and let's just get on with our lives. But I look at that differently than most. But to your point, Bob, no, it's exactly that way. You, you, you could put those images in front of those particular individuals, and yes, I, I would agree. The majority of those people that would come out against patriotism, which is what we're talking about, would, would tend to be more of those folks on the on the either the center or even the left you know for sure the left of center but i think even some folks in the center would do that
0: yeah uh, roger what's your take and, and, and how do you explain this growing this growing sentiment of i look at america in the worst possible light it's like america is bad that's the default emotion to have about america uh, it seems like that's growing and i find that troubling
1: When the nation was founded, I believe it was founded on biblical principles. We could even go so far as to say America was a Christian nation. And and people understood it, even if they didn't necessarily, you know, toe the line with the Bible and things like that, that they could actually do it. Then uh, we kind of moved into the 60s and 70s, the free love world, and that became uh, post-Christian America. Now we're in anti-Christian America, and it's Mm -hmm. so interesting how, as we're in anti-Christian America now, and I'm not saying that like, oh, woe is us. It's a reality. Secularism, environmentalism, sexism, whatever, that's the order of the day. But it's interesting uh, to me as we've moved into anti-Christian America, how we've kind of become anti-American. I mean, more and more people are saying, well, there must be a problem. Let's face it. We were created with God's natural law written in our heart. Because of original sin, we now understand the difference between good and evil. Okay, so since we are all equipped like that, all 330 million of us here in the United States whether we believe in God or not, now we come at this saying, okay, well, there's good in the world and there's evil in the world. And if I think I'm the center of goodness and there's something wrong, well, who, who, who's against me? Okay, well, it must be the government because I don't like Donald Trump, so I hate America. Or it must be there are, our nation's past sins. Okay, so uh, that's what I'm mad at. And, and so it becomes very unobjective. It becomes very subjective. But people are driving for this the same thing that we were all created for, which is to know the difference between good and evil, to punish the evil, and to celebrate the good. The problem though is now they're, you know, what, what Scripture says, you know, woe to those who call good evil and evil good. That's the time we're living in right now, and so it's it's it's, it's confusing. And one of the things I want to commend you guys for um, with your programs, and I know we try to do this at the bottom line too, is to have a vo- opposing viewpoints on, so we can weigh and measure both things. I mean, it's too often the silo, you know, echo chamber of, we, we just you know, breathe in our own air all the time, really gets, it breeds this kind of contempt, the fact that we're willing to take our programs and say, okay, let's open it up for conversation and opposing views, I think is actually very healthy, and I, w- I would hope that more there would be more platforms for that type of stuff. Not to do a little self-congratulatory thing here, sure. but I appreciate what we do more and more as the word, world gets weirder and weirder.
0: Right. You know, when we when we look at America and we see America as a good force in the world first, we don't consider America perfect. Of course not. Uh, we know that. We know there are past sins in this country. There are current sins in this current country. current sins. Yes, yeah, thank you. Exactly. So America's not a perfect nation. Nobody suggests that. Uh, but to me, there's a difference between looking at America as primarily good with flaws As opposed to looking at America as primarily bad with some good points. And it seems like much more of the the, the left wing and the progressive movement in this country sees America through that default negative lens. Well, I can find some good things, but the primary uh, perception of America is negative. Uh, I look at it just the opposite. I know we all do. But that doesn't mean that we completely sweep under the rug the problems with America, the warts. And so let's talk about how do we contextualize America's past sins? I mean, how do we – because there are some people that say, how can you call America good when America – had slavery when america had jim crow when america broke treaties with the native americans as we did the the kind of ugly things that we've done that's like saying and here's how some people say it okay you know that's like saying well adolf hitler was good yeah he did the bad things in the holocaust but look at how he rebuilt the the economy of germany and the infrastructure and blah 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 it's like uh no so how do we properly contextualize the sins of America and still recognize America as primarily in a default good? How would you guys tend to, to answer that?
2: Yeah, you know, by the way, Bob, great question. I know we need to take a break, though, real quick. Let's do that real fast. You're listening to the, Cro- the National Crawford Roundtable.
3: Learn how to walk the narrow path with Steve Gregg. With over 40 years of studying the Bible, Steve Gregg is passionate about teaching you how to apply scriptural wisdom to every aspect of your life. Listen to The Narrow Path on your local Crawford Broadcasting Station or online at thenarrowpath.com. The Narrow Path is 100% listener supported. Please keep this vital ministry going with your generous financial support and let them know you heard about The Narrow Path on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. And we're back
2: National Crawford Roundtable. Neil is on vacation this week. Myself, Roger, Bob Duco and and Bob, great question. How do we? Well, and, and I think Roger would love to get your opinion as well, but I think, Bob, you do it just like we would do our own human selves, I mean, our, our own spiritual lives. I mean, none of us, I know I know myself, I'm not perfect. I still make mistakes on a daily basis. You know, my, my selfish, you know, uh, uh, tendencies tend to come up just like all humans do, and I think that's really what we're talking about now as a country is we've got a lot of selfish individuals that are looking at things in their own lens versus the lens of a country, and how does a country go back and look at the things they did in the past and their past sins And then reconcile those. And guys, I I think we do that on an ongoing basis. That's why we're no longer a nation of slavery. We're no longer a nation under Jim Crow. We no longer have those same things that we do. We are a very giving nation. Let's face it, guys, and this is one of the first things I would use to combat anybody that would say that, you know, we are the 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 you know the ogres of a nation that's just out to defeat the world. The reality is if we wanted to defeat the world, guys, we could have done that a long time ago. We literally could be the world power that most countries want to be. That's what Adolf Hitler's goal was, was to rule the entire world. And we as a nation, we could have done that time and time and time again. We have the the fortitude, the manpower, the, the firepower to do exactly that, and we could have done that, but yet we don't. We choose to go into countries and help them regain their democracy or their independence, and then we turn things back over to them. We've done that time and time and time again. At the sacrifice, by the way, as, of us as taxpayers making that happen, writing those checks, I mean, we do things, guys, on a daily basis, that that maybe aren't necessarily a penance for our past sins, but, but if you look at what we today do as a country as a whole, are we perfect? No. But we are still the most benevolent country on the face of the earth and probably has been in all of history. How, how do you reconcile with that, guys?
0: You know, that's such a great point. I, I, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about even during World War II, okay, when we decimated Japan, what did we do afterward? We spent billions of dollars helping them rebuild. To, right. you know, we could have conquered them
2: and, okay. and by the way real quick guys not only Bob did we rebuild it but we built it in a way to where we decimated some of our own economy in the process yeah. of rebuilding it Look, I came out of the car world and the Japanese cars were so much better because you know Japan had brand new plants to work out of that we built for them after World War II yeah with
0: our at our economic with expense. our dollars exactly our taxpayer dollars and at the expense of the competition to our own that's auto right. industry in this country no that's but right you're right this is what America does we destroy Japan and rather than planting a flag and making it a new state of the United States we say here's your country back and we're going to give of ourselves to rebuild you uh, we're going to say we did the same thing in Germany we did, I mean this is what our attitude is and even in the the Middle East wars that we have had Iraq and Afghanistan and I know there's debate and question about them but even there Our philosophy has been, look, we're not going to try to even westernize, let alone Christianize your countries. We're going to give them back to you and let you run them in your Muslim – the the way that you want to. Uh, And we can debate the the, the wisdom of some of the decisions we made. Okay, fine. But that's been America's philosophy. And by the way, on top of all of that – Take any disaster in the world, any disaster, who's first on the line to say, eat whether you're a friend, whether you're an, uh, an ally, or whether you're a foe. What can we do to help? How can we serve? Not only at the governmental level, but the private level, the church level, certainly here in America. I believe that we are an overall force for good in the world. And frankly, I think that that ought to be recognized way more than it is and, and it does make my eye twitch a little bit when i see some of these progressive leftists in this country who are constantly trashing this nation i'm going to take a knee during the national anthem because i'm am so offended by this country you know what you know what get up, and stand up and t- yeah you know what there's That's not a feeling. better way to put it then go all right then go if this country is so horrible Find some other country that gives you more freedom and liberty than you have in this country. I'm not saying it don't is have or a right. Isn't. I know. you know, And they have a right. They have a constitutional right. Colin Kaepernick it. has a constitutional right to spit on the flag. Okay, fine. You got well, that actually, constitutional
2: Actually, no. Right? no, Stop, stop. Time out. Time out, Bob. Right. No. When he works for an employer, no, he doesn't have that right. That's the other thing that we've got wrong in this country is when you work for somebody and that somebody says you can't do such and such while you're on the job, the reality is, no, there is no freedom of speech when you're on the job, folks.
0: Okay. Actually, I, I, I do want to clarify. You're absolutely right. When I say he's got a constitutional right, I'm talking about the government. Government is not the one to step in and tell him that he's not allowed to do gotcha. that. Okay, gotcha. But you're right. As a private employer, a private employer has an absolute right to say these are our policies of codes of conduct within our company, and you will obey them or you'll get a job elsewhere. Uh, there's nothing wrong with doing that. But constitutionally, you have the right. You have the freedom right. of speech. You can spit on the flag if you want to, yep. as it relates to the government. So go ahead and do that. But the rest of us, I believe, also have that right to say, you know something, we're sick and tired of you disrespecting this country, and then insulting our intelligence by claiming that your protest has nothing to do with the flag or anti-patriotism. I find it absurd. So, But uh, I know we got to take a break here in uh, just about a minute, but Roger, I'd love to get your take on all of that, too.
1: Well, it's a, it, it's a tough thing to answer in 60 seconds, but I think uh-huh. one of the things I would— I do Yeah, want wrap
0: it all proper. up in 10 seconds and sure, make it no really problem. compelling. Well,
1: that's why they call the program the bottom line. We just write <laughs> right to the heart. Um, one thing I did want to point out, though, and to your point about uh, you know, Japan and things like that, the, the, I think the difference between us coming in and nation-making versus you know doing what happened in, at the end of World War II is we needed to defeat Japan so we could restore world order. And in defeating them, of course, then we would show up and say, now we're going to help you rebuild, but you got out of line and we had to bring you back in line. After the 9-11 attacks, if you wonder how important the United States is to the world economy, look at all the world leaders who came in and said, oh my gosh, an attack on America is an attack on the world. We've got to make sure the United States is safe. I mean, the the showing of outpouring of support from the different nation states was so encouraging after 9-11. I think the answer to that question that we've just been discussing is, yes, the United States is important, and I would dare say the greatest experiment in government in the history of mankind. But we can talk more about this on the other half of this podcast.
0: Absolutely. Sure we and we voice. are going to continue the second half of this podcast coming up next. Remember, uh, folks, you can listen to us by going to Apple Podcast. Okay, go ahead and subscribe. We'd love for you to review the uh, podcast and give us a nice five star review. We'll gladly take it. Uh, you can listen on Stitcher and more. You can also go to Crawford.live. That's Crawford.live. Dot live, And we'll continue the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast online next. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting Production. Continuing the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with myself, Bob Duco, the Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. Roger Marsh, the bottom line, out of the People's Republic of California. John Rush, mm-hmm. Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. Uh, we're missing Neil Boron this week. Neil Boron live out of Buffalo, New York. He's on a much-deserved Vacation, and with this being Independence Day week, July fourth on Saturday, we're talking all things America, patriotism and, and how we properly understand uh the 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 role of America and the world and and how we assess our patriotism. You know, guys, I, I want to ask you about one of the other things we see going on around the country. We know the debate over the Confederate statues. That these uh, There's been a big push to, to pull down these statues. Okay, fine. Which, by the way, I just want to remind everybody that during the eight years of Barack Obama, there wasn't a bunch of outrage demanding that uh, that military bases like Fort Hood and Fort Bragg and others that are named after Confederate generals, they have to be changed. There was a little bit of a push to that. Barack Obama as president put that down and said, no, it would not be appropriate to change the names of these longstanding military uh, bases. And then that was it. We just moved on. There were no protests. There were no riots. There was no media outrage. There was none of that stuff. But Donald Trump, after Charlottesville, he said, what comes after the Robert E. Lee statue? Is it going to be Thomas Jefferson? Is it going to be George Washington? I remember him being mocked in the media for this, that, oh, it's not going to be some kind of slippery slope. Well, guess what? Here we are, the George Washington statues, the Thomas Jefferson statues, Mount Rushmore is now considered uh, politically incorrect to have an event at. Uh, I'd like to get, first of all, your immediate thoughts, gentlemen. Uh, John Rush, let me start with you. Uh, about this this effort to turn our founding fathers into... Into evil men, into they 're the bad guys, it 's not just the cops are the bad guys okay abraham lincoln 's the bad guy now george washington 's the bad guy all these all these patriots in this country are now being turned into the bad guys we 've got to take down their statues your thoughts
2: and they 're not bad guys, did they have faults like all of us have faults? of course they did guys I mean, if you go back in time and look at the uh you know each individual and and i think the thing that we need to you know i am one and i've always said are these guys gods absolutely not are they idols should we idolize them absolutely not they were regular old men and women just like the three of us are they had faults but they also had great vision and i believe you know god inspired vision because there's no way you would create a country like like ours without some God given, you know, the divineness there in listening to him in that world. I, lo- I know there's a lot of people out there that would argue with me on that, but trust me folks, when you look at the way our country is set up with equal representation, it's a republic, not a democracy. We can go through all of those things. But the reality is no one would think of those things. In fact, George Washington himself could have been king. He could have been king right. of the United States. We could have had a different form of government, but he chose to not do that. He he saw What the future of this country should look like, and they all did. And the other thing that I think that we do owe them, and again, not putting them up on a pedestal and saying they're perfect, but guys, and there's stories out there, and I will read some of these even today as we head into the 4th of July weekend, the Independence Weekend. These guys gave up everything. In some cases, they lost it all. They literally gave their entire fortunes, their families. You know, there was death. There there was everything you can imagine. When these guys set out to do what they did to create this country, they were going against the King of England. There were death sentences on their lives, and in some cases, they were carried out, and these guys literally put it all on the line so we could today have the freedoms that we have as a country. And, And Bob and Roger, I don't think we We should let that go ever. Should we honor those guys for that? Yes. Should we idolize them? Of course not. But we do owe them a debt of gratitude for what they did when they created this country.
0: could not agree more. Roger, what do you say?
2: I agree. In order to form a more
1: perfect union, understanding that it wasn't going to be exactly perfect— But the blueprint was there. And I'm constantly amazed whenever we see decisions coming from the Supreme Court that they get right, that the founders had it in them to put together a system that could not have envisioned transgender rights, you know, could not have envisioned two men openly uh, proclaiming their love for each other in a quote-unquote marriage ceremony. And yet the system is still the best system we've ever seen in the history of the world. I mean, I I firmly believe that. It it encourages entrepreneurship. uh, It it inspires, you know, capitalism and, and, and innovation. And and yes, the th- one of the things that I love about this, too, you know, one of the things that we say about the Bible that is, makes it such a r- remarkable book is the fact that the Bible defines itself. I mean, the fact that you can see, you know, cooperation for the stories of, you know, going on in in, in Scripture itself, because Scripture defines Scripture. The American experiment is remarkable in that when we have gotten it wrong, you know, slavery, for example, things of that mm-hmm. nature, we have a self-correcting, mechanism in there, and we've been able to right a lot of the past wrongs. I mean, it doesn't take away some of the sting, but what other nation, I mean, uh, ordinarily there would have been an uprising and a coup and, you know, some military intervention, and governments get overthrown all the time, and yet we still have been able to keep our Democratic Republic, our Constitutional Republic. I mean, case in point, look at what's happening in Mississippi right now, Uh, to your point, Bob, about, you know, the taking down of statues and things. Mississippi, the final state in the Union that still has a Confederate logo in their flag. And you have to wonder, okay, they just uh, signed the bill, uh, Governor Reeves just signed the bill uh, yesterday, I guess, that was a vote uh, in the state legislatures to go ahead and say, hey, you know, we're going we're gonna to ch- find a different symbol for it. But the bill passed 37 to 14 in the Senate, 91 to 23 in the House, and the people of Mississippi, even though the population is 35% African American still did not have a consensus among the people. And you look at that and say, wow, boy, that's really interesting. But I say, yeah, but we've got this system in place that says if we're a government of, for, and by the people then the people can speak up and say, do we really need this change? The pundits on NBC News and CNN can say, oh, this should have happened a long time ago. But what about the people of Mississippi? Don't they have a voice? The fact that the vote went the way it did in the legislature, that it's not become a, an issue for the, for the people of Mississippi, the people actually live there and have those reminders all around them. I mean, difficult as that is, I mean, for some people to just have those reminders of slavery that go back in their family generations, and yet the, the, the system that we have to repair... And to, to deal with those things, I think is phenomenal. And so, whenever I see random groups of uh, mobs, you know, knocking over statues and things like that, my first thought is, you, you know, Father, forgive them. They really don't know what they're doing.
0: Yeah, at that's all. Very true. What do we do though, Roger, with the with the people who see the individual founding fathers though in such an ugly light because that they did own slaves? You know, they're they're basically looking, they're judging. George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and our founding fathers through the 2020 lens. They're basically judging people in the 1700s and 1800s through the 2020 lens. But the bottom line is, uh, how how can we celebrate the name of someone who owned slaves? How do you get past that?
1: That's a tough one. I mean, it really is because of the the fact that the, so much of the emotion behind it really leads people to make decisions that aren't as well informed as they as, as they could be. And you know, in all honesty, I know we're going to get to Joe Biden in just a moment, but I think one of the chief agitator instigators in this whole conversation really has to be the the white American liberal left. I mean, the the people who are so so. Burdened. you know the Nancy Pelosis and Chuck Schumers of this world are running around saying we're sorry we 're sorry, what can we do to keep your vote and make you happy and this This is the party that tries to cater to and pander to the African American vote, and you know they 'll cater and pander as much as they possibly can just to get reelected, but they 're not really bringing any sort of meaningful change so to, you have to have like as we talked about our pro- we talked about on this program last week ulysses s grant, for example, you know here 's a founding father, he had a slave for a year i mean did, didn't have the slave when he was doing all the great things he did to move uh, you know, us away from the slave era in the United States, and for someone to say, well, we're not going to over a statue because he had a slave once, well, that's ridiculous, and there has to be an educational period. But we have to be prepared for the fact, too, that there are, a lot, as I said earlier, there are a lot of highly educated, misinformed, unwise people who are making decisions with their emotions rather than with their intellect, and, and, it, and it's frustrating to see this wave of uh, uh, individualism masking as patriotism, but yeah. this is the culture that we're living in right now. Right yeah. Well,
2: and, and guys, it's, it's by design. I had this conversation yesterday on air where you know some people would say, "Well, it's been, it's by design," and we've changed the school system. You know, in the last ten or fifteen years. No, guys, the school system started changing. We took prayer out of schools back in the nineteen sixties. We have been dealing with this now for sixty plus years. And it is by design, the whole, let's change history, let's rewrite it, let's not teach it correctly. You know, all of these things are, 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 we're now reaping the repercussions of what we've done and what we allowed into our school systems. And it was by design, by the way, you can argue all you want, but it was a communist design some 60 plus years ago to get us where we are today. And they said they would take this country over, not by guns, not by ammunition, not by bombs and so on. They would take over it from within. And guess what, guys? They're almost there.
0: Yeah, that they are, that they are. You know, I got to say, too, when we uh, – to bring it back to the the founders themselves and how they were slave owners, and this seems to be a big thing that people can't get, get past. Many people cannot get past this. I do think – and I know this might sound politically incorrect. The last thing I would do is minimize the evil of slavery, of course. But sometimes I just think it's unrealistic for us to judge people from the 1700s and 1800s through the lens of the way that we see things today. We recognize the evil of slavery, but I also know that if you have something that is wrong and evil and sinful, and it becomes normalized enough so that it's woven through the fabric (laughs) of life, and it has been for not decades, but for centuries as it was, uh, even godly men can end up eventually turning a blind eye to mm-hmm. something like that or not really notice it. And I, I've used as an analogy before polygamy in the Old Testament. There are people right. that say, like, how could Abraham, how could he take Hagar? How could he do it? You know, how could Jacob have wives? How could Solomon have these, these multiple wives? How could these patriarchs in the Bible engage in, in polygamy? And we look at that today, and there's a shock value to that. We can't figure that out. Yeah, but, at the time, blind. we recognized that no. uh, in cultures all around the world, and certainly through the Middle East, polygamy was normalized. It was common. You were kind of a freak if you didn 't have yeah. multiple wives. Not to mention the fact, many people considered it benevolent to women because they 're very often women they couldn 't go out and get a regular job. they either had to have a husband That's or right. they went into prostitution that 's right and That's so right. when something gets normalized enough, even godly men can say, well. Maybe it's not that serious, and kind of justify mm-hmm. it, and almost look at it like driving sixty in a fifty-five. Uh, I have a better you know, example, Bob. Serious. Yeah, go ahead.
2: Okay, so let's go this in reverse, and and I would tell these same people that are asking these questions about you know what we think of our our you know our own patriarchs of old, the George Washingtons and and so on of old, you know how, you know them owning slaves and so on. What do we think of that? Well, I would say, okay, let's go back in time and let them know. How now uh, promiscuous of a society we have today, how prevalent you know pornography is, including the church itself and even Christian leaders, you know let 's go down that path and let's really get things out there. you know everybody wants to point the fingers at them for owning slaves, but how about if they were to come back and point the fingers at the things that we allow today in our society right. and, and tell me how both of those make things right, and, and you know two wrongs don't make it right, but my point is. All of us have sin and have things that we have to deal with, no matter what generation we're in.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's a very good point. Very good point. Uh, well, and actually, uh, Roger, I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to kind of get some more of your thoughts on that and how we, uh, how we need to, I believe, kind of stick up for and defend the founding of this nation, our founding fathers, and recognize that these were flawed men. But they still were inc- incredibly courageous in what they did, and they, they did put into place the principles of freedoms and liberties in this nation that is unique in the world. And by the way, with a reliance upon Almighty God through all of this, I mean, they were asking God to place his hand on the founding of this land. Uh, sinful men who sometimes have a blind eye to things that have been culturally accepted can still be godly men pursuing godly goals. and I, I think that that's what we see with a lot of our founding fathers and and I know I know Roger, we do got to take a break here, but I'd love to get your thoughts on that.
1: yeah i've got I've got a couple, and I'll share them on the other side of this break on this special edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast.
3: Dr. Michael Yusuf leads the way for people living in spiritual darkness to discover the light of Jesus Christ. This tremendous outreach begins with the proclamation of God's Word through the uncompromising biblical teaching of Dr. Michael Yusuf. Leading the Way is here to equip and strengthen the church to stand strong and to advance the gospel in today's ever-changing world. Listen to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf at ltw.org slash listen and be sure to mention you heard about their program on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast.
1: Welcome back to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, along with John Rush, Bob Duco, myself, Roger Marsh, and the vacationing Neil Boron. And we're looking forward to having Neil back in his uh, studio next week to join us for another discussion. But this week, as we're talking about Independence Day coming up this weekend and uh, everything you know that is so important to us as Americans, and, and the idea that uh, the founding fathers are really getting a bad rap right now in uh, just everywhere, the media, classrooms, textbooks, universities, and whatnot because of the fact that people are so focused on the slave issue or for example or you know whatever uh, you know misappropriations of uh, of other people's rights and, and belongings and Bob your point is is so well taken oftentimes what what is common is perceived as what is normal and so you look around at the culture around it say they were uh, <laughs> a whole group of grown men who sat around a room in Philadelphia and as they stated the Declaration of Independence, wrote it out and said this is what we're going to do, and declared American independence, they also said, and we're also going to allow the owning of slaves, which that, you know, cultural norm of the time. I mean, for for whatever reason, we look back on that now and say it's horrific, but John's point is excellent, too. If they'd looked at the things that we're doing now, right. I mean, I remember uh, the, the horrible discovery through the National Religious Broadcasters Organization that whenever NRB would come into a town outside of, like, a major southern city, um, in-room in pornography use would go up by 40%. They loved having NRB come to their, to their conventions because so many people were living that double life, and the pastoral ministry is no exception. Um, I, I think we ha- it starts with education, you know, first and foremost, and say, look at the signs of the times. It's so interesting to me how many people want to take things that happened in the past and say, well, we're going to go back and we're going to try to correct the past. And, and quite frankly, you can't. I mean, the past is the past. What happened, happened. For good, bad, or otherwise, it happened. What we can do, I think, is we can learn from it and we can have conversations about it. And it's amazing to me in this culture that we live in right now, I think the, the term that gets used a lot is the cancel culture. You know, I'm going to win the argument, and if you don't agree with me, and if you don't make any sense to me, I'm just going to cut you off. There, I unfriended you. I, I'm not following you on social media. I won't have anything to do with you anymore. And that's the last thing we need in this culture, is, is to cancel people out. To say, okay, well, George Washington owned slaves, so let's cancel him. Because everything else he did doesn't matter. It's ridiculous, because it seems like leftism goes in the other direction, where they're saying, okay, well, this guy has this laundry list of sins, but if he did one thing that we like, then he's a saint. And, and so that, that's just as dangerous. The the idea that you can learn from people, that you can have conversations about what's happening and say, okay, look, did the founding fathers, were they perfect? No. Did they set together a really great system that we're still benefiting from today? Absolutely. But canceling them out simply because of one infraction that is the kind of cause du jour right now, I think it's dangerous for the, the nation because pretty soon it's 1984 and we're eliminating our, rewriting our past and making it fit our current current and future state.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to shift the conversation a little bit more toward a focus on the Christian heritage of uh, this nation, uh, of America, because this was absolutely woven into the founding of this land. I understand there's a debate about, well, was America a quote-unquote Christian nation? And people ask me that question, and I say, well, you know, it depends on how you define that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Do you define Christian nation as that uh, we, we established Christianity as the official religion of the nation in the way that Saudi Arabia establishes Islam as their official religion? If that's how you define it, then the answer is no. Uh, But if you define it as Christianity was woven into the fabric of this nation and a promotion and encouragement of all things Christian is something that was part of the makeup and the proper role of the federal government to encourage Christianity but not to require it, if that's how you define it, then absolutely we uh, we were a Christian nation. Uh, But this is something that it's so unfortunate if you look in your average – American history book in school, it's amazing the amount of censorship that exists in those books. Uh, The things about American history that kids today are just flat out not being taught. I mean, let's face it, most people have no clue that at the time the Constitution was ratified in 1787, the largest church in Washington, D.C., was the United States Capitol. It was converted to a church every Sunday morning. That's right. On Monday, where all the congressmen sat, the day before were the pews. And it wasn't just the U.S. Capitol building. It was the U.S. Treasury building, the War Department building, and the Supreme Court chambers were all overflow churches in Washington, D.C., and the United States Marine Corps Band served as the worship team in these churches every Sunday morning. Now today, the ACLU, the Antichrist Liberals Union, would have a cow over something like that. But this is what our founding fathers did this is this is uh, anybody, By the way, it's public information. Anybody can look this up in the national archives if they think I'm making this up. Okay, it's all there. This is one of countless examples of how our founding fathers saw nothing inappropriate about endorsing, promoting, and encouraging Christianity, but just not requiring it. Today, a high school football coach can't pray with his team, or he's going to get fired because that's somehow a violation of what these very founders. Believed, and this was before, during, and after the ratifying of the U.S. Constitution. So, uh, Roger, I think there's a lot of revisionist history going on right now in this nation, uh, to, to the point that you were making before. And John, I'd love to get your your take on this as well. John Rush, uh, the Christian heritage of this land, and I don't want people to forget what this nation was truly founded upon.
2: Uh, And, Bob, everything you're saying is exactly right. I know, again, guys, we're up against a break. Let's do that real fast. Take a break. We'll come right back. You're listening to the National Crawford Roundtable.
3: Dr. James Dobson left a successful career in academia to preserve and promote the biblical family in America. The radio broadcasting ministry of Dr. Dobson spans over four decades, earning him 17 honorary doctorate degrees and an induction into the National Radio Hall of Fame. Today, Dr. Dobson continues to champion marriage and parenthood through Family Talk. Listen every weekday at drjamesdobson.org. And be sure to reference the National Crawford Roundtable podcast when asked how you listen to Family Talk.
2: And we're back. National Crawford Roundtable. Bob Duke out of Detroit and Neil Boren, who is on vacation out of Buffalo. Myself, John Rush here in the Denver area and Roger Marsh out of Southern California. And Bob, you're right, and and I think again, it goes back to what we talked about earlier, even when it comes to the history and the teaching and the, and and the things that we have have in a way uh, we have faltered on and we have not taught things correctly. And to your point, were you know were we a a Christian nation were we founded as a Christian nation? I think even the founding fathers would be careful to say no. We're founding it on biblical moral principles that we want to see this country guided by from this point forward. We know there's a creator, there's an almighty God. We also know there's individual freedoms. We want to make sure those individual freedoms are honored. And how you, how you choose to practice your particular faith. I know our founding fathers, if they were on this podcast today, guys, would agree that we want you to be able to have the right to be able to function in society and to into and function with your faith however you deem necessary as long as you know this is not satanic worship and we're killing people for you know human sacrifice i mean they're not going to go that far of course guys but the freedom to worship the freedom to have that ability to do so was was fundamental in the founding of this country. And yet, guys, we don't have that any longer. To your point, Bob, you can't be a high school football coach and even pray with your team that wants to. They don't require it, but even if you want voluntarily for your team to come to the end zone and pray with you, you're not allowed to do that anymore. And it's a cry in shame that we've got to that point. It is.
0: It is. And by the way, I have to uh, say the – Thanksgiving proclamations that are issued every year in this country. I just want to share with our audience the very first official United States government proclamation of Thanksgiving. This was from November 1st, 1777, issued from the U.S. Congress. I've got a copy of it here, and I just want to read an excerpt of this. It says, uh, it says, it is therefore recommended to the legislative or executive powers of these United States to set apart Thursday, the 18th day of December next, for the solemn thanksgiving and praise that they may join the penitent confession of their manifold sins, whereby they had forfeited every favor and their humble and earnest supplication that it may please God through the merits of Jesus Christ, mercifully to forgive and blot them out of remembrance, so necessary for cultivating the principles of true liberty, virtue, and piety under his nurturing hand, and to prosper the means of religion for, listen to this, the promotion and enlargement of that kingdom which consisteth in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the United States Congress, their first official proclamation of Thanksgiving. I can't even imagine what we would be hearing from Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer if any Republican tried to propose language like that, in this day and age, we would hear that that's a violation of everything our founders believed in. But again, this is a matter of public information. It's documented in the National Archives. Anybody can look it up for themselves if they want to. But, John, they will never find something like this in any American history
2: book in a school. Nope, they will not. And and again, guys, that's one of the things that I think we as – as believers and, and leaders in our community need to make sure that we're instilling or, or by the way, which we had a great decision from the Supreme Court on the uh, the Blaine Amendment, we need to start right. pushing other things where we can we can have kids and parents take alternatives to public schools, by the way, giving them competition, which in the end will make them better. Right. That's what competition always does. So we actually had a really great win along these lines. We're talking about the very thing that really, in, in that end of it, guys, could change what we're talking about right now, giving people choices, giving people the ability to use, you know, you know grants and scholarships to send their kids to, you know, either homeschools or parochial schools or Christian schools, whatever they choose. And by the way, that was a great win that we really haven't talked much about.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it really was. And this is a Thankfully, John Roberts got up on the right side of the bed in this case. But, you know, once again, you got Elena Kagan, Sonia Sotomayor, Stephen Breyer, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg, these four liberals that stick together like glue 99% of the time. But here they are actually saying and actually declaring, we believe that – uh, private organizations, they can and should be able to benefit in government grants. However, if they're religious, then it's okay to discriminate against them. you got four of the nine Supreme Court justices that actually hold a position like that, that's kind of chilling, and do we really want Joe Biden? Agreed. You know, you know, yeah.
1: uh, I agree. That's I what know. you're going to have. That's I right. know. Well, well, Go ahead. Apparently, apparently for the, those four justices, their copy of the Constitution does not have freedom of religion included in it. And, you know, the crazy thing about that whole story out of Montana, uh, Slate magazine or online publication uh, today, the headline said uh, the Supreme Court forces uh, public schools to pay for religious education. That's not, that's entirely not what this case (laughs) was about. It was equal application. And the fact that private schools that were secular were getting the $150 tax credit, and they said the religious ones couldn't have it, even John Roberts could figure out that was wrong. I mean, so, I mean, and again, John Roberts has become Anthony Kennedy. It's unfortunate, but so every now and again we've. Find out that uh, maybe the guy still has a few conservative bones and constitutional I'm not bones sure. In his
0: body. I'm not even sure that he's Anthony Kennedy. I feel like he's more to the left of even Anthony Kennedy was. I mean, John Roberts. You think about it. He's the reason we have Obamacare. He's the reason that uh, DACA is still upheld from, uh, from, from Barack Obama. He's the reason that we're not allowed to put uh, Are You a U.S. Citizen on the U.S. Census. It's been on right. almost every one since the 1820s. I mean, uh, he, he seems to be a moderate liberal more than anything else. I, uh, if it's all right with you guys, as we kind of wind down this, this uh, podcast, in talking about patriotism, america july 4th and also our reliance upon almighty god i just want to remind everybody that the the reliance upon god and the acknowledging of god in our country is not just something that was done in the 1700s i i really want to close this out today with a reminder of just how quickly we have fallen away from god and our politics in this country in such a short period of time uh, a lot of people don't know this But when Ronald Reagan was president of the United States, 1983 was declared the entire year the year of the Bible. It was declared the year of the Bible. Uh, Today, we have the month of June being declared when a Democrat's president, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender pride month. But the entire year, 1983, declared the year of the Bible. And I was looking at the language that Republicans and Democrats agreed to in 1982 to, declare, to give Ronald Reagan permission to declare the year of the Bible. And I wonder, what would happen today if Republicans and Democrats debated declaring the Bible the Word of God? No one would today would agree to call the Bible the Word of God because, well, that's offensive to the Muslims, that's offensive mm-hmm. to atheists who don't believe that there's a God. But even the Democrats in the 1980s, had no problem acknowledging that the Bible was the Word of God. I want to read to you one paragraph. This is the official resolution, and this is a joint resolution of Congress. So it's House and Senate, Republicans and Democrats, they all agreed on this language. And here's what it says, "...whereas the Bible, the Word of God... Has made a unique contribution in shaping the United States as a distinctive and blessed nation of people. Whereas biblical teachings inspired concepts of civil government that are contained in our Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States, whereas that renewing our knowledge of and faith in God through Holy Scriptures can strengthen us as a nation and a people, now therefore be it resolved that the President is authorized and requested to designate 1983 as a National Year of of the Bible, in recognition of both the formative influence the Bible has been for our nation and our national need to study and apply the teachings of the Holy Scriptures, done this day, October fourth, nineteen eighty-two, Joint Resolution of Congress. I mean, my goodness, the House and the Senate, and the Republicans and the Democrats all together said, yep, we can agree on this language. That's when Ronald Reagan was president, Uh, not 1700s, not the 1800s. My goodness, how far we have fallen, and this is that much more reason why the body of Christ needs to stand up and not only proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ, but also proclaim and declare what this nation, America, truly was founded upon and what she should still be standing for today. Uh, I just wanted to get that in as we kind of wind down our patriotic podcast here uh, on this uh, National Crawford Roundtable. And so let me just say, uh, folks, pray for this country. Pray Mm -hmm. for this country. And this election is critical Uh, This November, no doubt. And John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver. Roger Marsh, the bottom line, out of Southern California. Of course, the vacationing Neil Boron. Neil, we miss you. We look forward to being back with you next week. Neil Boron live out of Buffalo, New York. Myself, Bob Duco out of Detroit. Gentlemen, always great catching up with you. By the way, real quick, anybody planning any great fireworks activity? Because I know... Municipalities aren't having fireworks, yeah, so we're getting together with a bunch on. of our kids, and we got about a whole bunch of fireworks, and we're letting them off this weekend.
1: Well, you're Bob, you're fortunate because in the People's Republic of California, Governor Newsom is scheduled to come out at a press time here with an announcement that families can't even get together because, yeah. as he put it, you don't want Uncle Bob hugging one same of your here. kids, and <laughs> you know Uncle Bob so. that figures. Yeah, same, same this right. in
2: Colorado, Roger. We're yeah. we're exactly the same way, really. We'll have a few uh, public displays, but it's pretty slim pickings this year. But you know, hey guys, God bless America. Amen. And happy Independence Day, and I hope everybody this weekend really does remember the freedoms that we have, and the, and just, I, I am so thankful to live in this country. I wake up every morning thanking the good Lord above that, that I was born here, and he saw saw grace upon me that I could actually live in this country.
0: Absolutely, Amen. absolutely. Folks, download and subscribe to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, available at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more, including Crawford dot live and john roger great catching up with you guys and it Likewise. is true god bless and, america It's not just a indeed. cliche god bless this country thank you gentlemen and god bless all of you listening thanks so much this has been the national crawford roundtable podcast thank you for joining us download and subscribe to the national crawford roundtable podcast available on apple podcasts stitcher tune in and more Apple users can rate the podcast, and we'd appreciate your five-star rating. National Crawford Roundtable Podcast returns with a new discussion each week. Be sure to watch for the notification on your podcast app. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting Company production.